You're listening to the City Lights Church Podcast with Ben Hailstone. Today, this message is a little odd. Uh, I don't even know how to describe the way I came to this set of verses. Uh, so it's going to be a little weird in the beginning. You're going to go, why is he reading these set of verses? Then it'll make sense. But I just love in that line in the Psalms 46 song we've done the past two weeks that the God who makes the mountains melt come wrestle us and win. And I was like, man, that's such a good thing because I have these, this built-up theology, this man-made theology. I'm like, God, just come and wrestle that out of my heart and win. Let's trust in you today. So that's sort of what this is. It's sort of almost like a wrestling against some things that might be in our hearts. It might not be in your hearts, but I've noticed it in my own heart, and that's where I want to come from today. So I just actually want to open with prayer. So let's bow our heads. Lord, I'm so thankful today just for this opportunity that you can use me, a person who I thought I was unqualified, God, but you've chosen me and you have used me to speak today, Lord. Just let uh, your words come out of my heart and my mouth, Lord. I'm so thankful for what you're doing in this church. Lord, just today, just wrestle us and win today, God. You make the mountains melt. You shove them into the sea, God. We trust in you and your faithfulness, God. Come wrestle us today and win. Holy Spirit, come move in this place. Uh, Just have your way today, Lord, uh, and bless our day. Amen. Uh, luckily today, we like went longer, so this might go short. I'm a little worried about that, but don't worry. Uh, it's Memorial Day weekend, so you guys can all party in the nice weather outside. But turn with me to Luke 11, and it's verse 37. I'll wait. It will be up. I forgot to give it to you guys, but back there. But Luke 11:37. Uh, let me know when you guys are there. I don't want to like read with you guys not following. So give me an amen. I like a good amen when you're there. Okay, good. So, while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner, and the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also, but give his alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisee, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and love of God. These you have all to done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you like, are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. And you're going, wow. <laughs> Tough verses there. And I have this habit when I read a story about a Pharisee, I immediately disconnect from the story because I'm like, I'm not like the Pharisee. And so I side with Jesus, and I, uh, in every Pharisee story, I sort of treat him like a punchline. Like I sort of laugh at him, like, those guys, they're so silly. Jesus is right there, and they're missing the whole f- point of life, and Jesus is standing there in front of him. And so I'm rereading and rereading the verses because God highlighted these verses to me. Just I was reading through Luke one night. I was like, man, this would be a good sermon. And I'm like, and as I started to reread and read them and over and over again, I started to realize in my heart, I am the Pharisee in this story. There are things that I hide from people in church. There are things that I cover up and try to make myself look clean. And there's this performance mentality inside of me where I'm like, well, if I tithe all this, like they're tithing everything down to their mint and herbs. I'm like, man, I should start tithing coffee because <laughs> I have tons of it. But I was like, they, they do church well. And I was like, man, I have to get out of this place of just being in church and like doing church well. And so that's where this came from. And I was thinking, and I love doing this, and people will probably get tired of it now, but I turn everything into a commercial for Celebrate Recovery real quick because I love the ministry. And I think it's, 
I'm not kidding. It is one of the most important things I've done this past year, and it's the most important thing you could do in this next year. I'm not kidding. We have this culture, and I call it, I grew up in the church. Many people here probably didn't, but I've been in the church since I was like four years old, and I've noticed I call it the great costume party. On Sunday morning, whatever we're going through in our week sort of disappears, and we put on this face, and we come in the door with a smile and a handshake, and this priest said, oh, no, I'm good. How are you? And we're missing this point where Jesus is saying, you can look clean on the outside, but on the inside, you're dealing with these things, and you need to get them out. He says, give his alms. He's telling the, he gave the Pharisees a way out. He says, that greed in your heart, turn that greed and turn it into giving to everything you have to the poor. So he gives us this answer. And we've created this culture of shame and judgment and just fear in the church because we're afraid. If I go up to Charlie and say, hey, Charlie, I'm dealing with this, my immediate response or thought is, oh, my gosh, he's going to think I'm the worst person in the world. Like, he's going to think I'm terrible when I come to him This because that's what we sort of created. And I'm guilty of it as well. I've seen people come into church, and I'm predetermined in my heart, this guy is like this. And it's just a culture that's been rampant in my heart and it's in the church today because we're so afraid. And what it robs us from is real community. It completely destroys real community. And that's what the church is meant to be, is a place where we can be open with each other. We can come and say, hey, I'm dealing with this horrible, horrible sin or this horrible struggle in my life and to expect not to be judged. And so because of that, we sort of have, other people have this mindset of the church is like, oh, if the Christians are like that, then God's like that. And so when Jesus calls him out, he says, do you not realize you're neglecting love and justice because of your heart mindset of trying to just look clean on the outside? The Pharisee didn't call out Jesus because they thought his hands were dirty. This isn't like, oh, gross, Jesus. You should have washed your hands. That was a religious ritual on that day for the rabbis and the teachers to come in and just to give the appearance of being clean. So every place they entered, they just washed their hands. People are like, oh, they're clean. They're good. And Jesus immediately calls out that mindset. And I love, when I was reading this first verse about the, you clean the outside of cup and dishes, I was like, that sounds like something my wife would say to me, <laughs> right? I'm a terrible cleaner, I am. And she's like, Ben, did you scrub this? I'm like, well, with cold water in my hand. <laughs> she's like, it's dirty. I'm like, well, yikes. And so I sort of laughed at that, but it's so true today. We have to stop just trying to make ourselves look clean when we come to the service. We do. It is not about looking good in front of people. And it's this mindset that I have, and that's why I'm, that, that song was so appropriate, that last line, wrestle with me, God. Wrestle that out of me. I need that out of me because it hinders the way I love on people and how I give justice to people because I'm so caught up in, oh, my gosh, they're going to think I'm a sinner. And God does not want that in the church. And I, I also recalled, like, when I was a kid, I'm a, like, I've never been a good cleaner. My parents didn't punish me for not cleaning well, so I think that's where I get it from. In my head, that's where I'm saying it's from. I just don't try. But uh, I remember, like, they used to say, clean your room. And my room would be so dirty. And my thought was, I'm just going to shove everything in my room under my bed and out of sight, out of mind. And so that's what I used to do. And I was like, man, I'm still doing that as an adult, but with heart issues. I'm like, I'm, Jesus is saying, clean up. And he's giving us options on how to clean up. He's saying, this is how you do it. You get it out there. You tell someone. I'm like, I'm just going to shove it under the bed of my heart. I'm going to put a smile on my face, and I'm coming to church and say, I'm all right. And so, back to Celebrate Recovery. Uh, please come out. I'm not kidding. I'm going to keep every sermon I speak up here. It's, I'm going to mention it until I see everyone pass through Celebrate Recovery for one week. But uh, we're going through this thing. We call it the horse right now. It's this, it's this lesson of like nine lessons about moral inventory, and it is tough 
they make you write stuff down, like what you're dealing with. And it's scary because I'm like, oh, now people are going to know. And like, I always have this weird thought, like now it's on paper and now God knows. And I'm like, duh, he already knows. Like, it's just, it's odd that we always sort of like don't want to like bring up things because we're afraid like God's going to look on us as shame. He's like, I already know. But so I'm going to just be honest right now because I like being honest in these things. So what I deal with, and this is just a side note, this is just to get you to come to Celebrate Recovery. I, and you're, this might shock you because I don't act like it here. I'm a very selfish person. And you're like, what? This guy? He seems like he gives everything. I lack at home. I lack at work. I lack with my family. In my heart, I'm like, man, I need to like, get my way. I want my way. I want coffee every morning, even though it costs us money. Luckily, it was birthday money this week, or that's, that would have been in big trouble. <laughs> but, like, it was, I, I just want my way. And I, this time last year, they're like, okay, this is a step where you write down your problems. I'm like, I'm good. I'm not going to write anything down. And then this year, it hit me again, and I was like, I need to write this stuff down. I need to get it out there. I need to give it to God and say, this is what I need you to do with it. And so I wrote it down, and Martin made me. <laughs> If you ever need someone to make you do something, tell Martin you're not doing something. I was like, hey, Martin, I never wrote that list yet. We hung out, and he's like, Ben, I need to see a picture of that list tomorrow. I was like, what? (laughs) So it was great, and I love Martin for that. But I'm telling you, there's so much, there's a freedom at Celebrate Recovery. I'm not kidding. It feels so countercultural to the church on Sunday morning because we're so afraid on Sunday morning to say anything to anyone, except I'm doing good. How are you? And I come to celebrate, and I hear people's stories and testimonies. It's not all about drug addictions. It's not about alcohol addictions. There's people that deal with the real-life things, just the hurts they have about their family, hurts they have about themselves. And they tell you about it, and it causes you to go, oh, my gosh, I'm not alone in this. That's the biggest thing. The devil's biggest trick right now is to make you think you're alone. The way he's doing that is trying to make you perfect in church when God's saying you don't have to be perfect to be here. And so we create this culture of isolation where I just thought, I'm the only one going through this. I'm the only one that's selfish. Everyone else seems fine on Sunday. They're worshiping. They're praising the Lord. And we're putting on this mask of just just because we're insecure. And so that's my Celebrate Recovery commercial. I, I always say home groups have stopped, but Celebrate Recovery goes on every Tuesday throughout the whole year. So the people are like, oh, I miss home groups. There's still a group on Tuesday. So please come out to that. Um, that's my last thing on Celebrate today. But... So in looking at this and looking at the heart positions of the Pharisees, I had to address what was in myself. And the next thing got me. Like, I don't tithe everything down to a T. But when I read, I read a commentary about this, and he sort of says why the Pharisees were doing that. And I was like, oh, man, that's me. That's me. So this is N.T. Wright's commentary on Luke. Uh, And we have this idea that Pharisees were just this religious factor back then. They're actually political, too. They were trying to get Israel back into, like, this political standing. So that's what their goal was. And so their rules, this is straight from the commentary, their rules were designed to make people keep the Jewish law as best as they could so that Israel would be made holy, and thus God will bring in the kingdom. And so I had to stop and think, like, what things am I doing in my heart where I just do it just so God looks on me? And I call it the performance mentality where we're somehow we've conditioned ourselves and the world makes us do it too. Your job makes you do it. Like it, everything is based on performance nowadays. Like do this, you get this. Do this, you get a raise. Do this, people love you. And in church, I found myself doing things to get God to look at me and to get his kingdom to come. And he's saying, stop it. He's saying, don't do this. And so we have, I call, like we, we create our own formulas in our head. That's what I like to call it. We're like prayer plus fasting minus TV for a week. 
minus sin equals his blessing. And uh, that's not it. God is not bound by a formula. He doesn't want to be bound by a formula. He just wants to work in our church and work in your life without any limits. And we're just sitting there, and I realize I'm missing Jesus. Jesus is standing right in front of me right now, and I'm missing him because I'm like, okay, I got to do this. I got to tithe down to this. I got to do this 20% this week because I'm feeling good and I want the Lord. And he's saying, you're missing me. It's not about what you do. In fact, I'll do things regardless of what you do. Just partner with me. And so I have this weird, uh, not weird testimony. Jesse sort of mentioned it last week, but I had this weird thing happen to me where, like, I wasn't even thinking about God. I was at Wegmans. And, this, and like, God's, like, and using my head, if I want to go minister to people, i got to work myself up to it. i got to fast. i got to pray. i got to think to my head, what sins do I have to confess right now? And it hinders us from ministering to people. But last week, God's like, let me show you how uninvolved you have to be in this whole thing and just let me do what I do. And so I'm pulling up to Wegmans, and I pull into a parking spot, and I get out, and I look, and the truck next to me is way too close. And I have a nice car, sort of. My wife gets mad because I banged it up with the door the other day. And so I was like, I can't let this truck open its car door and hit me. So I got back in my car and moved up three spots next to another car. And so I walk into Wegmans, and immediately as I walk in the door, I have this thought come into my head about these people that used to go to City Lights. And I was like, hey, I wonder how they're doing this. Like, I just thought of it, went around, got my coffee, went shopping. I go to check out, and I get in the line, and I look, and the guy is in the line in front of me, like just standing there. And I was like, hey. And he, I'm not going to say his name just for the sake of it. I don't know. It's, I mean, I can, but I won't. Uh, There's nothing bad. He didn't leave the church on bad terms. But I was like, hey. I was like, how's it going? I was like, this is so weird. I literally just thought about you as I walked into this store. And he goes, you know what? That's odd. He's like, this is my last day in Scranton. He's like, my company moved us back to Dallas. This is the last day for my family in Scranton. They're scared. They're nervous. They don't want to leave. I don't want to leave. And I was like, well, that's insane that I was just thinking about you. And then in my head, I was thinking, I need to pray for him. And I did not. And so we sort of exchanged like presentations. He asked how people were doing here. And I was like, oh, they're doing good. And he leaves. I check out and I walk out. And guess whose car I parked next to? His car. And I'm like, and so I said, hey, I'll call him Billy. Hey, Billy. I was like, this is so weird, but I moved my car and parked here. I was like, this has got to be God. Let me pray for you. And he's like, he's like, Ben, I need that. He's like, we're, like he shared his fears of moving, his family's scared. So I just sat there and prayed for him in the Wegmans parking lot. The cart guy's like walking by like, because we sort of like hugged. We're sort of like, hey. And I prayed for him and he said, Ben, that was awesome. I needed that. And then left. And I'm driving home going, I did nothing there. I literally moved a spot thinking a truck was going to hit me. And the whole time, God's like, there's no formula to this thing. Just be with me and move with me. And so that's like this performance mentality of, of doing things to get God. He's saying, don't do anything, just get me and go. And so I was like, so like, I run into people, not run into people, but I pass by people all the time, like a giant, like I walked by a guy at a cast and I was like, should I pray for this guy? And then I was like, no, I'm not good enough for that yet. And imagine what would have happened if I would have prayed for that guy. And the worst part is he like walked by me again. I was like, I'm just going to leave. And then he walked by me. I was like, dang it. And in my head, I was like, I'm not good enough to pray for this guy. It will look weird. And I miss an opportunity there because in my head, I'm making a formula that I didn't do this this week, so God's definitely not going to move this week. And we have to get over that. And there's this thing 
where we talk about grace all the time here. We're a grace church. Some people get scared of how grace we are. But then I was like, we talk about it all the time, and I still don't use it. I still don't get that in my life. And so as I was preparing for this sermon, I was literally stuck. I spent six hours trying to, like, type it out because I'm a very meticulous guy when I do a sermon. I like to write it out word for word just so all my thoughts line up. And it wasn't happening. And then I was driving here last night to come pray and to finish working on it. And the Lord's like, what about grace? And I was like, what? Because I was just going to end the sermon about how, like, I didn't know how to end. I was like, we're just all doing church bad. Like, our goal is not to do church on a Sunday. Our goal is to affect people in the community. And I really felt like I was missing the point of how do we get to that point. And it's grace. And I remember uh, during the 24-hour prayer day we did here, uh, in the morning, actually it was at nighttime, I was sitting, uh, Robert was, it was me and Robert here, and he was up, we turned the music up as loud as we could, sorry Rich, we probably blew something, <laughs> like we're just, we're just playing loud music, jumping around, praying, it was fun, and all of a sudden I hear this like chorus in my head, I was making it up on the spot, and I wrote it down on that piece of paper, wherever that is, and it was, I'm not going to sing it because that'd be the biggest fear I have right now, but it was, uh, like, I heard this thing say, I hear the chains falling. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, I was singing along, the chains of addiction, the chains of religion, the chains of politics, the chains of greed, and I hear the trumpet of the Lord. And so as I was driving here last night, that chorus popped back in my head, and he said, let's tackle the chains of religion today. Like, this is what it's for. And so I had to check myself, because I struggled for this sermon for the whole day, and I was like, God, why aren't you moving? God, I don't trust you. I had those thoughts. And God's saying, it's not about you. It's about me. It's about grace. Partner with what I'm doing. And that's what I did. And so that's where I came to this point. And I love how Jesus, like we hear the word woe, like woe to you Pharisees. And we think that Jesus is just like saying, I dislike what you're doing. But in N.T. Wright's commentary, I'm glad I found this commentary here last night. I was like, oh, commentary on Luke, sweet. And it says, when Jesus announced these quite formal woes, he wasn't simply saying he disliked such attitudes. The detailed outward observance that left the heart untouched, the piety that boosted self-importance, the pollution that appeared as clean and wholesome, it wasn't simply that he had happened to disapprove of the ejectional practices of these groups. It was rather he could see where they would lead. And so I was thinking, this isn't just a, you guys, I don't like you guys, this wasn't just like a warning. This is a call to freedom. He's saying, you guys don't see where this mindset's going to lead you. You don't see where if you're about performance and looking good in church, you don't see that's going to bring you, be, leave you frustrated. It's going to leave you mad at God. How many times have you like done something? You're like, oh, God, bless me. And he doesn't bless you. You're like, well, I hate you now, God. I'm just being honest. I've had those thoughts. Like, I'm, I leave so unsatisfied, so jaded, so mad, because I thought, wait a second, if I do this and this and this, he has to bless me. Hear me out today, don't, I'm not saying stop reading your Bible. I'm not saying stop with these habits of, like, prayer and fasting. Those are there to line us up for the pipeline of God's blessing when it comes, but it's not always going to come because we do that. And so those are there to make our heart ready for it, but those aren't there as a proven way to get to it. And so please hear me out today. Don't stop washing your hands. <laughs> I love, it's, we have a kid now, just a side note. We have a kid now, and I'm not good at washing my hands. I'm going to be honest. Don't eat the food I cook. I'm just kidding. I'll wash my hands when I make food. But my wife is always like, I go to hold the baby. My wife's like, hey, did you wash your hands? I was like, 
march right back away. But, so don't stop washing your hands. But we have to stop doing these things thinking it's going to earn us something. And that's where grace comes in. And I was just, when I was praying about this, I was like, man, like, I hate math, so I hate formulas. I don't know why I always revert to formulas with God. And then the Lord's like, well, God has a formula. I was like, what's that? He's like, just grace. And, like, I pictured, like, the affinity sign that never ends, and it was grace. And he said, that's the only formula I need, grace. And I was like, that's cool. There's nothing I have to do there. It's just there. It's an already proven formula. It's grace. And today I really feel, I, and maybe it's just for me, but I have these chains in my heart of religion, and God wants to break them today. He does not want to see it bound. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. We walk around like his yoke is a 747 and we're trying to carry it around with us. He's saying that's not Christianity. Christianity is a freedom knowing that I've covered everything and knowing that my grace covers everything. And I love the story of the prodigal son. And just, uh, we were at a worship conference. Me, Kenny, even Christina were there, Selena, Linda. And there's a guy named Jonathan Helser. He wrote No Longer a Slave. Everyone know that song? No one knows that song? Wow. Great song. But he has this song called Abba. And before he went into it, it's all about the father's love. He gave his perspective on the prodigal son. And he told how when the son was far away, like, he, like the father saw him far off and realized how shameful that son will feel walking back to town, coming back to dad, right? You would, like you just squandered all your wealth. You're filthy. You're eating pig slop. And now you have to walk all the way back up to your father's house, and people are going to see you. They're going to laugh. They're going to point. And the father sees him from far off and runs to him. And Jonathan Hells, I had never heard this before, so don't, I don't know if it's historical, but he said, back in those days, the men did not show off their legs. That's why they're always in long robes. So when he had to run to his son, he had to become shame. And so he ran to his son, lifted up his robes, and ran. And instead of the son being shamed, he met the son and became shame for him. And that's what Jesus did for us. And so we walk around in shame and guilt and performance. He's saying, I covered all of that. I covered all of that. And I just love that picture. And then he closed him. He's like, okay, here's a robe. Here's a ring. And the ring wasn't just like a pretty ring. The ring was like a credit card back then. That's how you purchase things. You gave your stamp on things. And he's saying, I'm giving you back everything, regardless of what you put me through. I'm going to meet you here so you're not shamed walking back through. I'm going to show people that I love you. I just love that picture of grace. And in that song, your promises are yes and amen, I have this, this default of like thinking about promises, the Lord's spoken over me, like things that are supposed to happen in my life, my family's life. And we're sitting back there singing it today. He's like, grace is my promise. And I was like, I do not think of your promise of grace like that. Like he's saying, this is for you today. It's yes and amen. It's always there. Walk in that grace. And so it was just a good, worship was great today. Anyone love Kenny? I love Kenny. (laughs) Humble Kenny. But uh, I was thinking like we, so so many times we get caught up and stumble back to, he doesn't love me. Like I've sinned. He doesn't, I'm ashamed I haven't done anything this week to earn his favor. And he's saying, my promise of grace is right there for you. It's yes, amen. It will never go away. It's forever. And I remember, anyone ever go to Acquire the Fire? Anyone remember Acquire the Fire? It was like this huge youth convention Ron Luce used to put it on. I don't think it's still around anymore. It sort of died out. And I was, I was 14 when I went to one for the first time. 
up to that point, I really hadn't been to anything like that. It was a, like no like huge conference, and I get there, and all these people are worshiping Jesus. I remember raising my hands for the first time, just in all of him, and I came home and said, okay, now I got to live up to this. And so I literally was like, hey, mom, here's all my secular music. Throw it away. And then I was like, hey, mom, I played Dragon Ball Z trading card game. It's so stupid. I'm a nerd. And I, like, loved it. Like, you, Super Saiyan. Anyone, no one here knows Dragon Ball Z. Anyone watch Dragon Ball Z? Yeah. I knew Jonathan would. <laughs> but, uh, so, I was like, these have got to be evil. They're taking my time. And so, I had just bought, I'm not kidding, I had just bought, like, $40 worth of the stuff. I grabbed my dad's paper shredder and was like, yeah. I was like, now God loves me. And so I stayed in this mindset of performance for like a month. I'm not kidding. It was like a good month. It was the day of my birthday. We were having a party at my house. I was setting up a basket or a volleyball net with my brother. And my brother made me so mad. I just went off on him, punching him, yelling at him. And I fell back into shame. And I, was, and I felt immense shame because like I lived so well. I only listened to worship music this past month. And it wrecked me for a while. Like, I, I literally did not hear a grace message and didn't speak it over myself until I was, like, 18. And it was all Jared Ruddy's fault. I'm, I'm, like, literally walking into church and Jared speaking about grace. I'm like, I've never heard this. I live my life in youth group services where they put a trash camp front and you put everything you don't want in there. It was so shameful. And Jared said this line, and it's, it's in Isaiah where he says, Man, I didn't even write it down on here, but where he says your righteousness is like dirty rags. And this isn't like, I read a good commentary on it, not in Jesse's office, but he's not saying don't do good things. He's saying if you think they're going to make you measure up to something, they're like dirty rags compared to what Christ did. He's our righteousness. And when Jared said that line in the message, I freaked out. I was like, what? Everything good I've done doesn't get me anything here? And I was so mad about it. And then I came home and I realized, wait a second. There's no fear anymore. There's no shame anymore. There's no chains anymore of like worrying about what I'm going to do. And God's like, no, I'm going to just meet you with grace. And so I'm checking the time. Wow, I've gone longer than I thought I would. So uh, what are we missing? What do we do with this? And in that verse, where he says, you like, like the best seats in the synagogue, you like greetings in the marketplace, and he's saying, but you're missing the justice and the love of God. And I was like, wow, not understanding grace hinders us from giving grace to other people. We're always going to bind them up in our thoughts of grace. We're always going to make them think, or when they come in, we're like, okay, now you have to do this and this. And I, I can't love people if I don't realize I'm loved. I can't free people if I don't realize I'm free. And God is calling us to give grace to people. That's his his heart. And I'm like, I struggled so much when I was a teenager. I was like, God, what are you calling me to? Anyone have those conversations with the Lord? Like, God, what are you doing? What am I supposed to do in life? And it was actually at the prayer time here again. I'm sitting in the, it was the early morning shift I took. I'm sitting here and I was like, God, what do you want from Scranton? Like, what do you want me to do in Scranton? He's like, Ben, my heart's already, there's already, I already have a heartbeat in Scranton. Partner with it. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, my heart beats for the addicted, my heart beats for the broken, my heart beats for the poor, my heart beats for the religious. I'm like, that's so good. And so many times I'm like wondering what I do in Scranton. Like, what is my call? Like, should I go downtown? Should I yell at people? Should I, hey, Jesus loves you. And he says, no, clothe the poor. Break the chains of bondage off those in bondage. Heal the broken. 
And he's like, just partner with the heartbeat that's already there. His voice spoke everything into existence. His voice is still going. Do we get in line with it and go, okay, God, let's do this? And I'm telling you, if you walk in a performance mentality or a shame mentality, you're not going to be able to do that because you're always going to think you're falling short of what he's called you to do and you're missing people on the road that you can give justice to and bring the love of God to. He's calling you to that. So then we get to this interesting thing, like, who's broken? And I was like, because I was struggling, I was like, I should make a list of who we should minister to. I was like, who's broken? And then God's like, everyone that doesn't have the gospel. And so many times we like think we have to be like this hard thing where we go and give food to the homeless. Yes, that's great, but it's also the pe- co-workers at your work that just don't listen, like have no concept of Jesus and grace. They're, they're the broken as well. And we make it so complicated. Like we need to find people that we can bring justice to. We need to find like people that are homeless and help them. He's like, no, it's everyone that doesn't know me. That's the broken. And that really challenged me because I sit at work. I laugh with my coworkers. He knows I go to church. They call me the angry pastor, not because I'm angry, because I play ping pong mad. I'm like a angry, like, I'm competitive. They're like, hey, angry pastor. And I don't even know why they call me that because I don't really curse or get, like, really mad. I just like ping pong. <laughs> but, and, like, I remember this one night at Celebrate Recovery. This is not come out to a message or anything but we were talking and like Mike challenged us to like think of something we should do this week it was the week before Easter and like I really felt the Lord go invite your co-worker to church for Easter and I was like oh geez that's tough like he and then my immediate thought was they call me the angry pastor <laughs> like the, the thing my church is going to be like and the craziest thing is how God uses people that don't even know him to like convict you of things sometimes like one time I was just mad at work about a certain guy and my coworker came out to me. He's like, hey, what does that guy think up there? <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, holy cow, that's convicting. And I was like, oh, man. And so I was like, hey. And it was weird. We were like, it was like the last possible day I could ask him. And we're playing ping pong. And he was beating me because he's really good. And I get mad. And I was like, hey, uh, what are you doing this Sunday? And he's like, nothing. I was like, you want to come to church? He's like, no. <laughs> I mean, his reason was he didn't want to be the people that always come to church on Christmas and Easter. And I said, that's a good reason. I was like, what about the next week? And he's like, uh, maybe. And he never showed up. I was hoping he'd show up today because he knew I was preaching, but oh well. But that's a broken person too that I miss opportunities to minister to because I'm just at work thinking this is just my coworker. He's not broken. And so we complicate things so much, but God's saying, does anyone without the gospel, that's, your, that's our call on screen, anyone. Could be, I mean, it could be someone in this church that, that you know is going through a tough time. He's calling you to minister to him. We make it so complicated. But as we close, if the worship team wants to come up, I'm trying to think. Of, I want to do like a joyful song. We gotta, because this is sort of a harder message in my, in my heart. But he's calling us to be free today. He's calling us all this shame you're carrying around with you, all these chains you're carrying around with you. His goal today is to break you free of that. And so I just want to have this joyful worship i'm going to pray just do the first song i'll do the first song yeah he's the light he's the light's a fun like you can move i can white dance sort of but he's calling us to be the light that's why i love this song he's yes lord but uh and so as we go into this song i really I had to check my heart as I was working on the sermon because I had to like find areas where I thought I was not performing, where I am performing. Like this message, I struggle with. What if they don't like me? What if I don't do this? This message became a performance mentality for me. 
And it was scary because I had nothing at the time. I was like, I don't have anything. Like, I've had this thought in my head. I have nothing here. And it became performance mentality. So he wants to break that need to perform off of us. This church is not about coming in and looking good on Sunday. It's not. I, I love the fact that we're starting to do test, testimonies. Man, the Lord is working with that mic today. I, I, <laughs> and uh, I'm supposed to drop the mic when I'm done. <laughs> And I lost my thought after making that terrible joke. But I was just like, he wants to free you today. That's what the Lord said to me last night as I was driving back here frustrated because I didn't have anything. Well, I had stuff. I didn't just prepare this yesterday at a whim. I was planning this for like three weeks, and then it just got wrecked when I was doing it, and I got frustrated. I was driving back frustrated, and I really felt the Lord say, it's time to break those chains of religion off our heart. And I had to reevaluate my whole heart. I'm like, what am I doing right now to perform for you, Lord? What am I doing? And it's so free. I love those kids worshiping. When have, when's the last time I was able to worship like that? Never. Why? Because I'm in church. I'm like, oh, God, what are they going to think about me if I like, raise my hand, if I jump around, if I dance? I even get afraid of doing it in front of my wife. I'm being raw and honest right now. Because I'm like, what, is, what was she? She's married to me for seven years, six years been together for eight and I'm afraid to do things in front of her like worship because I'm like this I feel shame and the Lord's saying I'm breaking that thought of religion off you today and that's like I love seeing them dance because I was like man there was a time in my life where I was like that where nothing bothered me where as a kid you don't feel shame you don't I mean sometimes you do depending on how you were raised but like those kids were fearless up here Imagine, like, if Keely's like, okay, the adults, next week, we're doing one-way Jesus. Everyone ready? Hand motions. And I'd be like, no way. <laughs> I look like a fool. And Robert opened up the service today with that verse about David dancing. And his wife was like, you fool. You, what are you, you look insane right now doing this. And the Lord's like, that's what you're supposed to do. Grace frees us from shame. It frees us from thinking we have to look good in front of people. It frees us to be with God and just listen to his heart and affect the city. So today I invite you to stand. Uh, I'm trying to think if we should do it. I, let's just do anyone. I was going to do an altar call, but I decided not to. And one quick thing. I really feel this during yesterday, yesterday amen, I felt the Lord say there's someone here dealing with a family issue right now where they feel like the promises have stopped. They feel like the promises spoken to their family has stopped, and he's saying it hasn't stopped. So if anyone here is dealing with that today, you can come, I'll pray for you. But other than that, let's just do anyone that like feels shame or feels like they're chained up just from their heart and just from performance, let's just raise our hands today and just give it to the Lord. And we're going to worship and we're going to pray, and the Lord's going to bring freedom today. Lord, search our hearts, God. Come wrestle with this mentality of having to perform for you, God, of having to look good for other people, God, and let us be free in you, Lord. God, these chains of religion that are binding us up, these chains of performance that are binding us up, these chains of shame that are binding us up, God, I declare them broken right now because of your grace, Lord. That we are free, God. Thank you just for the freedom you offer us, God. Let us realize your freedom, God. It's standing right in front of us, and we're missing out on it because we're worried about what we look like, Lord. Let us see your Son in front of us, God. 
Let us run into his embrace of freedom and grace, God. I just declare these attacks from Satan saying we're not good enough. Satan, you have no authority in this place. Jesus is king. The king is on the throne and he's speaking a better word over us. God, just open up our hearts to accept your love today, God. It's, it's crazy, it's scandalous, Lord, this grace that we can't comprehend, God. God, we're only an ankle deep, Lord, and we still don't get it, Lord. Help us dive into your grace, God. Help us be so free that we can free people, Lord. You are so good, God. God, just help us partner with your heartbeat for the city, Lord. You're doing something in Scranton, God. Get us out of the way and partner us with you so we can do it as well, Lord. Rid us of our pride, God. Rid of of just everything that hinders us from you, God. God, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing, Lord. And we just bless you today, God. We accept your freedom today, God. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light, God. We take off these chains, Lord, and we give them to you, God. You're so good. Amen.